0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving weekend to you guys. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Come on, somebody. Good deal. Well, I'm glad I, uh, I did too. I'm so appreciative of you being here today. Uh, you know, this is always an interesting weekend. I know a lot of people are out of town and they should be celebrating with family and friends, but also a lot of people come into town and celebrate with family. So if you're here today, whether you're a Rockette or you're here from week to week or you're a visitor, we are really glad that you are here today and we welcome you to the Rock of Gainesville and glad you're here today. And if you're watching online, we welcome you also. Thanks for being with us, however you are with us Today, a real joy to be able to be together. Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne are over in New Orleans this weekend, over in the Big Easy. So laissez les bons temps tourler. Je parle bien le coupon show. They are, <laughs> I got you, didn't I? They are celebrating uh, Thanksgiving over in New Orleans, and I am so, so, so happy that they have had the opportunity to do that. It's been a long time since they've been able to do that, with everything Pastor George has been walking through and Pastor Suzanne walking along right by his side as a caretaker and caregiver and just loving on him. But I am so, so uh, just blessed that they've had the opportunity to go over and be with him, uh, family over in New Orleans. So I rejoice in that. But as they are gone, I am here. How about that? So uh, yeah, yeah, quack, 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 quack. Uh, My name is Ron. I'm one of the pastors here at the Rock of Gainesville. If I hadn't had a chance to meet you, I look forward to doing that. And it's a real joy To be able to be with you today, bringing the word. Thank you, Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne for the opportunity to do that. Here's what I want to talk about today. No surprises. I want to talk about a thankful heart. A thankful heart. Now, for those of you that know me well, you know that I do not typically preach the Hallmark calendar. Uh, Just don't really enjoy doing that. But this is one holiday That I really enjoy preaching the particular hallmark holiday that it falls on. I love Thanksgiving. It was my dad's favorite holiday, so I get to honor him in that, and I really, really enjoy preaching a Thanksgiving time or Thanksgiving message or sharing some things about a thankful heart. You know, if there is a foundational stone that I want to kind of make up who I am, I want it to be a spirit of thanksgiving. Uh, If there's anything in me that really kind of solidifies the life that I live, I want it to be one that is known as a spirit of gratitude and a spirit of thankfulness. Now, if you're around me a lot around here, uh, you will hear this phrase come out of me a lot. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I bless you, God. Thank you, Father. You're going to hear that come out of me an awful lot, probably to the annoyance of the staff, but never anointing to God. Never annoying to God. I might bother the mess out of people around here because it comes out of me all the time, but God enjoys hearing the praises of His people. And if there's anything I want to come out of you, it's and me, it's a spirit of thanksgiving. You know, I've asked the Lord a lot through the years. Father, help me to be able to impart to people a spirit of thanksgiving. Uh, Help me to be able to impart thankfulness. To people. And one of the things I have realized is thankfulness does not come by impartation. It comes by choice. I've got to be able to choose that I'm going to give thanksgiving and honor and gratitude to God. It doesn't come by impartation. If it does or did, He wouldn't command it. Come on, somebody. He wouldn't command it. It doesn't come by impartation. It comes by you and I choosing to be a thankful people. But One of the things that we're up against in today's world in being a people that's full of gratitude and full of thanksgiving, one of the things that really fights, listen to me now, really fights against a spirit of thanksgiving is a spirit of entitlement. Instead of being grateful for what we have, what comes out of culture today is I deserve that. I deserve it because of this, or I deserve it because of that, and I could list on a million things that would illustrate that properly. But one of the things that really fights against a spirit of uh, thanksgiving is a spirit of entitlement. And again, what I've realized is thanksgiving doesn't come by impartation. It comes by you and I determining that we're going to be a grateful people. Nehemiah chapter 11. Now, if you've been around me very long through the years what are you laughing at? I haven't said anything yet. If you've been around me for a few years, you know I have an obsession with the book of Nehemiah. I'm in counseling for it. I'm taking medication. And maybe one day I will get over it. I don't know. But I love the book of Nehemiah. There is not a life practical principle that's not covered in the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah chapter 11 draws a real interesting picture that uh, I want to show you for just a second. In Nehemiah chapter 11, there literally was a group of people that they were assigned. Their job was to give thanks. That's what they were called to do. You know, somebody walked by and said, hey, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a thanksgiving giver. You know, that was their job. They gave thanksgiving. And sometimes when I think about that, here's sort of how I think about that in my mind's eye. I see these people standing there close by the wall, and they've got a list in their hand, and they would say, "Thank you, Father, for this beautiful day. This is the day that you have made. We rejoice, and we're glad in it. Number two: Father, I thank you for all these workers that are putting this wall together. Thank you for their labor. Number three: Father, I thank you for that brick right there. I'm really appreciative of that brick right there. Thank you for all the wonderful things you're doing now. When I do it like that, one of the things I see right away is almost this form of ritualism, this writ and rote of giving thanks. But when I look past that and I go back to the foundation of what I'm talking about, giving thanks, here's what Pastor Ron realizes. Thanksgiving has the ability to overcome and bypass any of my emotional conditions, it doesn't matter what emotional condition I'm facing. When I go into a spirit of gratitude, it overcomes that emotional condition or that mental idea that's going all along in my mind and in my life. If my mental condition is fear, once I get into a place of thanksgiving, thanksgiving overrides that fear. If it's depression, thanksgiving overrides that fear. If it's rejection or pain from the past, it doesn't matter what it is, guys. Once I go into a place of giving thanks it overrides any of my emotional conditions. Now, let me ask you a question. What is the difference between or let me let me say it this way. What is the opposite of giving thanks? Think about that for just a second. What in your mind is the opposite of giving thanks? Now, since I'm preaching, I'll go ahead and give you the answer. How's that? It's complaining. If I'm not giving thanks, I'm probably complaining. If I'm not giving thanks, I'm par- probably mulley I'm probably grumbling. I'm probably snorting and cavorting. I'm probably just mad at the world because I'm not in a place of thanksgiving and honor to God. And you know what complaining does? Listen to Pastor Ron real close. Here we go. Complaining empowers the inferior. Fear is inferior to God, but when I start complaining, it causes fear to get real big. Depression is inferior to God, but when I start complaining, depression gets real big. Anxiety is inferior to God, but when I start complaining, anxiousness anxiousness gets really, really big. Complaining has the ability to empower the inferior. What is so small gets really large because we've made it that way. Come on, somebody, and get with me right now. Complaining empowers the inferior. Matter of fact, here's what you got to write down. Here's the principle you got to get. Write it down. Complaining, complaining. I'm sorry. Complaining only happens when I am more mindful of the problem than I am the presence. When I'm more mindful of the fear. When I'm more mindful of the rejection. When I'm more mindful of the depression. When I'm more mindful of the anxiety. At uh, that. Takes place as a result of complaining. That's the only way complaining can come about when I'm more mindful of the problem than I am the presence. You know what else complaining does here? Write it down. Complaining violates my sense of purpose. It violates my sense of purpose. I can be really, really tuned in to what God has called me to do. Man, I can be like zeroed in on everything that He has for the mandate of my life. And then I let complaining starting to rise up. And all of a sudden that purpose gets derailed. That purpose kind of gets put on hold because my focus now is complaining and grumbling as opposed to fulfilling the purposes of God in his kingdom. So what complaining does is it violates my sense of purpose. Here's what the Bible says, guys. The Bible, I love this verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. While you're rejoicing, why don't you rejoice a little bit? You know what rejoicing in the Greek language means there? It's a beautiful word. You know what it means? Rejoice. (laughs) It's not rocket science, guys. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And then Paul follows it up with something that's really, really cool. Look at what he says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, let your maturity be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. You know what he's saying? When you rejoice, instead of mully-grubbing, you're showing maturity to a lost and dying world. You're showing spiritual greatness. You're showing spiritual strength to a very, very confused world. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But you got to understand, guys, here we go. I've got to choose joy. Again, I'll say it one more time. If it came naturally, he would not have commanded it. I've got to be able to choose joy and make, some, make myself come to a place of, you know what? doesn't matter what's going on, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice in Jesus. I've got to choose. I've got to choose rejoicing. I'm going to put myself in the place of declaring God's greatness regardless of of my circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord always, and while you are rejoicing, go ahead and rejoice a little bit. Come on, somebody. Go ahead and shout his praises. Let's do it right now in Jesus' name. Come on. Give Jesus praise right now. Now, that's pretty easy in here, is it not? You know, Pastor Ron just told you to rejoice, and you rejoiced. It's pretty easy in here. Not always easy in real life. Come on now. Not always easy. There's circumstances and situations that come up and it's real, real hard to choose joy. Have you ever been on an airplane and missed your flight? And you were just rejoicing over it. Come on now not really easy to rejoice when you know you're going to miss your connection i was coming into kansas city a few years ago and it's bad weather and so as i'm sitting on the tarmac while they look for a place to park my plane i'm sitting there and i'm realizing i'm going to miss my connection and i'm not really very happy about that and so i do what every one of us do don't get spiritual on me now i look at my watch about 10 million times, I look at my watch to the degree I get tennis elbow, looking at my watch over and over and over again. I look at my watch, and then about that time, I look out the window, and there goes the plane I'm supposed to be getting on. Did you rejoice? <laughs> it's not even on the list. It didn't even make the top 10. you got to choose to rejoice and make yourself desire to choose rejoicing It's not always easy to do. I got to choose to rejoice. Now, when I look at the book of Nehemiah, let's go back to Nehemiah for just a second. Here's what it says about Nehemiah. I love this. Nehemiah was, as you know, building this wall around the city. And when we talk about this wall, guys, it wasn't, it wasn't a backyard picket fence. It was a wall that you could run NASCAR on the top of. It was a wall. And he's building the wall around the city. And that's what we always focus on. That's what we always talk about. Nehemiah building the walls. But get this and listen to Pastor Ron because you're going to love this. It wasn't just a city with a wall. It was a city with a wall that had gates. Why? Because if it didn't have gates it would be a city of captivity and that's not God. God's not holding you hostage. Come on somebody. So it was a city that had this wall around it and it had gates now why is that important isaiah 60 verse 18 look at this and read it with me isaiah 60 verse 18 no longer will violence be heard in your land nor ruin or destruction within your borders but you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise salvation my wall salvation is what god gives to me the gates are praised. That's what I give to God. So I just don't have this wall around me. I have walls that has an outlet to be able to praise God and worship God. Now, let me ask you another question. What disrupts my salvation? What disrupts my salvation? Again, since I'm preaching, let me give you the answer. It's compromise. Compromise disrupts my salvation. I'm doing pretty good. I'm serving God. I'm worshiping the Father. I compromise His Word. I compromise His principles. I compromise His directives. And all of a sudden, what happens is my salvation, it's not lost, but it's just disrupted. Kind of like when you have a joint in your arm or your leg or something that kind of gets... You ever had a dislocated shoulder? They hurt, don't they? The shoulder is still there, but it's just not operating right and there's a lot of pain there because of the dislocation how many of you know compromise creates a lot of pain in your spiritual life come on somebody creates a lot of pain in your spiritual life so it kind of like it dislocates my salvation and then when i get to that point here's where i go i become very very aware of spiritual warfare i got into compromise the devil forced me to compromise so let me just step back for a little while and yell at the devil because it's his fault. No, baby, it's my fault. I got into compromise because I compromised God's Word. The devil didn't make me do nothing. Come on now. The devil didn't make me do nothing. I made a choice to compromise God's Word. But when I allow myself to get into that, there's something that takes place in my life. I start getting into this idea of being very, 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 very conscious of spiritual warfare as if It's the essence of my life. Now, there's nothing wrong with spiritual warfare, obviously. Spiritual warfare is not the essence of your life. The essence of your life is to give praise to Jesus. I am a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a special person that has been called out of darkness to show forth the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his glorious light. That's the essence of my life. The essence of my life is not yelling at the devil. He's already won my battle. Come on, somebody. He's already won the victory. I ain't got to yell at the devil all the time. I got to worship God, and in worship God, he fights the battle for me. But we get real spiritually warfare-minded as if that's what we're supposed to do. It is something that we do, but it's not necessarily what we are always doing. I, years ago, there was a book that was written by a gentleman named Francis Frangipan, and it was called The Three Battlegrounds. Anybody ever read it? If you haven't read it, read it sometime. It literally back then became the manual for spiritual warfare years ago, The Three Battlegrounds by Francis Frangipan. Fantastic book. And so uh Barbara and I were pastoring in Davenport, Iowa. Francis was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. We were only about an hour away. So through a relationship I had with a gentleman named David Pouch, I was able to meet Francis and have lunch with him a couple of times. And one time I was sitting at the table with Francis after he had written this this profound book on spiritual warfare. And I'm sitting there and it's just me and him. And I said, okay, you wrote the book. You wrote the book that became the manual for spiritual warfare. What is the foundational principle for me to be successful in spiritual warfare? He looked down and then he looked up looked up at me as if he was glaring at me. Actually it made me nervous for just a second and he was looking at me and he had said, "Stop sinning." <laughs> Come on, give Jesus praise right now. the essence of spiritual warfare. I can yell at the devil all day long, but when I line myself up with God's word and I give praise to Jesus, I'm going to walk in the victory that he's called us to walk in. Look Look at what Nehemiah was. Now again, let's come back to Nehemiah for just a second. I've got this city with this wall around it. And if I'm in the middle of that city with the wall around, it, I'm in a very safe place. I'm in a very protected place think about it this way. If we were in here at the Rock of Gainesville and there was a big wall around our building, there could be things going on out there that we wouldn't even know they were going on. We're not oblivious to it or we're not denying it, but we're not even thinking about it. Why are we not thinking about it? We're in a very safe place. There's the protection of salvation that encompasses us and watches over us. So we could be in this, this walled city And there'd be things that were going on around us that that we wouldn't even think about. Now, hear me, that's very hard in spiritual warfare, is it not? Because we get distracted with the battle. It's kind of hard. But what I realize is this, I'm in this very safe place, and they can be shooting off bombs and arrows and fighting, and I'm, I'm not even worried about it. Why? Because God's mighty, come on now, mighty right hand is watching over me and protecting me. But it gets hard. It gets hard in spiritual warfare to not be distracted by some of the things that are going on out there. But I just keep fighting the good fight of faith. I keep fighting the battle. Revelation 21. When I started kind of thinking about this and preparing about this and started really thinking about a spirit of gratitude and a spirit of thankfulness, I, I, I read verse after verse after verse after verse and, and scripture after scripture about being thankful and having gratitude in our lives. And I came over all kinds of verses in scripture. And I came across one. Listen to this now. I came across one in Revelation chapter 21, as John the Revelator was describing the entrance to the new Jerusalem. Now, what is the new Jerusalem? The new Jerusalem is the essence of God's presence. It's the epitome of God's presence. And as he is describing the entrance to the new Jerusalem. Here's what he says. Revelation 2 and 1, he says, your gate shall be as of a gate of pearl. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't know that I really understand it because I got this picture of this gate that was made out of this really one big pearl. And I was kind of confused. So I prayed over it and I prayed over it, and I thought about it, it and I read it and I read it and I read it. And i thought about it some more and i was kind of drawing a blank and then one day in my office i flipped open the bible i read revelation 21 your gate shall be as of a gate of pearl the entrance to the new jerusalem your gate shall be as of a gate of pearl and all of a sudden i asked myself this question how is a pearl formed huh yeah irritation Conflict, grinding, pressure. And all of a sudden, God gave me this beautiful revelation. Through my irritation, I walk through the gate of praise into the essence of God's presence. And that's not always easy, but we fight the good fight of faith and we keep doing it. Here's what it says in, in Psalm 24 7. Look at this. Lift up your head, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Praise and thanksgiving. Second principle, praise creates a gate that the Lord can enter, but the enemy cannot. God standing at your gate of praise saying, nah, how is it that we, we used to sing a song, didn't we? Not today. Not today, devil. Didn't we sing that? Am I, David, am I the only one losing my mind in the building? Didn't we used to sing a song like that? Not today. It's not a trick question. You can say yes if you want to. Did we used to sing a song like that? You said, did you sing it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm confused. I'm not deaf. Yeah. Allison sang it? Not, yeah, I remember it now. Come on, somebody. Not today, devil. Ain't coming in here. Why? Because I am st- God is standing at the gate of praise. And praise creates a gate the Lord can enter but the enemy cannot. Write this principle down. Here we go. Thankfulness takes us away from being devil conscious and turns our heart into celebrating who God is. I get into a place of gratitude. I get into a place of thanksgiving. I'm not thinking about the devil, worried about the devil. I'm not scared of the devil because God is my God who reigns supreme, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I ain't worried about the devil's attack. I'm victorious under the mighty shed blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not worried about it too much. But look at what the Bible says. The Bible says something real interesting on this particular subject. Here's what it says. Go at this. You're going to like this. The Bible says that Israel... Was acquainted with the acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. Israel, hey, Israel knew who God was. They knew what God had done. But the Bible says Moses had a relationship, had something deep with God. Israel standing there, God, God, hey, I remember when God opened up that Red Sea and we walked across on dry land. And Moses is saying, Thank you, God, for protecting your people. Israel is saying, Man, I remember the day that those fried chickens were falling out of the sky. And Moses is saying, Thank you for being my provider. My sufficiency is in you. Thank you for being my provider. You're taking good care of me. Israel knew about God. Moses knew God. Here's the principle you got to get write it down. Through praise, I love this phrase. Through praise, there is a graduation from perception to experience. I go from knowing about God to experience, uh, experiencing the presence yeah. of the Father. Now let's apply this before I, before I finish. You guys mind if I bring some application to it? Come on. Well, <laughs> one person does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We, <laughs> Let's go. let me ask you a question what are you thankful for what are you thankful for what are you thankful for you know if i passed out three by five cards in the auditorium right now and you wrote down what you are thankful for we'd have some great lists that would come back to me there'd be some great lists i would and i would love reading them but as I look at what am I thankful for, I want to go beyond what am I thankful for and add some things to your list because I want us to get our eyes off of ourselves and look at what we are truly thankful for that God is doing in the world that we live in. What am I thankful for? Assuming a position of humility, getting our eyes off ourselves and getting our eyes on the greatness of God. What am I thankful for? getting in a position of humility. You know what the Hebrew word for humility is? It means getting in agreement with God. We always think of humility as this kind of wallflower, shy position. Actually, it's the exact opposite. When I get in agreement with God, I can do all things through him who keeps putting power in me. So it's actually a position of confidence. It's not a position of weakness. And when I find myself getting in agreement with God. I understand this. The only way I can get in agreement with God is if I decrease and he increases. Only way I can get in agreement with God. If I get myself out of the way and I let God rise up. So I want to get us in a position of humility and understand what is it that I'm thankful for. Here we go. 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us three areas that are positions of humility. Here it is, number one, let's read it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Three positions of humility. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Every one of those positions, get my eyes off of me and get my eyes on God. Let me say it one more time so you can say amen. It gets my eyes off of me, and it gets my eyes on God. I'm rejoicing in what God is doing. I'm praying about him doing great and mighty things, and I'm giving thanks for what he's doing. So let me ask you a question. What am I thankful for? Write it down. Here we go. We're getting our eyes off of ourselves, and we're getting our eyes on other things. What am I thankful for? Write it down. Thank God for the faithfulness of others. Thank God for the the faithfulness of others. You know what, guys? I love you guys. Now, you're supposed to say, we love you too, PR. I'll give you 20 bucks after service. I really do. And you know what? I, I am I'm thankful for you. I am thankful for your faithfulness in the kingdom. You want to know why? Without your faithfulness in the kingdom, without your faithfulness in the kingdom, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. Without you, I am deep six. You're out of here, bub. The groundhogs are bringing you mail. You're picking turnips on a stepladder. The no high heat, the big gas, the no tomorrow row. It's over. Ain't gonna make it without you. Ain't gonna, you want me to say that again? (laughs) You deep six, you out of here, bub. Groundhogs are bringing you mail. You're picking turnips on a stepladder. The high heat, the big gas, the no tomorrow row. Let's all say it together. It's over. Ain't gonna happen. Not gonna make it without you. I am thanking God for the faithfulness of Dr. John Colon. He encouraged me every day, and because he's making it, I have the confidence that I can make it too. I can make it too. If he can go through what he's going through, this life will be all right in the Hyatt household. Tom was leading prayer Tuesday morning and leading us in the direction of being thankful. And I got this overwhelming desire and sense of need because I was so thankful for Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne. Called them and told them or texted them and told them. because. side of the sovereignty of God and their leadership, I'm not standing here today. We came here We came here 27 years ago, and I was a great candidate for the army of David in 1 Samuel 22. Now that sounds really wonderful, doesn't it, until you read the verse? Because the army warriors, soldiers that made up David's army in 1 Samuel 22, here's what it said about them. They were in debt, depressed, and distressed. How many, of you know, how many of you want to go to battle with those guys? That's what it says they were. But David mobilized that army and took over Israel. But when we came here, I was a great candidate for that army. I didn't care if I ever was in ministry again. I walked into this city. I said, I will never be in ministry again. It's done. And came up under the leadership and the care and the anointing of Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne and 27 years later, there is a family that is redeemed and fulfilling the purposes of God. <laughs> fulfilling the purposes of God. I ain't making it without you. Look at what Paul, Paul said in 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry, Philippians chapter one. Look at this. I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until the day of completion. I'm not making it without you. Why? We're partnered together. If you have listened to Pastor On very long, you've heard Pastor On teach the principle of corporate destiny. You have a destiny to fulfill. You're not getting there by yourself. God is going to mobilize you with people that love you, that will encourage you and lead you on to fulfill what God wants you to fulfill in his kingdom. We're going to do it together in Jesus' name. Corporate destiny. And this is what it says. It says, I'm thankful for your partnership. You know what, guys? I want to respect and connect to those who have a passion for pursuing an authentic gospel. You want to know why? Because you challenge my comfort zone. You challenge my comfort zone. Now, we all like our comfort zone. Feels pretty good, doesn't it? Come on, somebody. There's a good place to say amen if you haven't yet. There's a really good place. We like our comfort zone, it feels pretty good. But I wanna be around people that cause the status quo to be ripped apart. I wanna be shoulder to shoulder with someone that will cause me to understand that the stationary gets offended by the awesome power of an increasing God. I I wanna be connected with someone that is pursuing, pursuing an authentic gospel. Number two, I love this one, thank God for stability in an unstable world. Thank God for, st- for stability. Hey, come on. How many of you know that this world that we're living in is a rocking and a rolling? Up and down and back and forth and here we go. It's all over the place. But you know what you are? You are a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water and you will not be moved. Let this thing shake. You're going to be fine because you are standing on the solid rock, Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you for just a second. Listen to Pastor Ron. Don't let your identity be defined by your efforts because it's setting you up when you only look at efforts. How How many times have you found yourself trying and trying and trying and trying and you feel like you're not getting anywhere? And then what happens is We allow our identity identity to become an identity of failure or an identity of insecurity or an identity of self-doubt. Hey, don't let your efforts define you. Keep being faithful in the kingdom because he started something really good in you, Shaffley, and he's going to finish it in Jesus' name. Mm. Don't let... Don't let those things, they'll, 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 how many of you know they'll lie to you? Your efforts will lie to you. You're trying hard, but then we start judging our efforts by our result and we forget what God is doing behind the scenes. Number three, thank God for the power of personal vision. Thank God for the power of the vision of your life. Why? Because it, it's, it's moving you. It's driving you, it's motivating you, it's leading you, it's directing you. Look at what Habakkuk two, one of my favorite verses in scripture says, for the revelation awaits for an appointed time. It speaks to the end and will not prove false though it linger. Come on now, how many of you have felt sometimes that your vision's kind of lingering a little bit? Hadn't quite come to pass yet and you're trying to be really patient, but it's about to drive you nuts. It's about to drive you crazy. That vision is lingering. Look at the last phrase. If I stopped right there, we'd be in David's army. (laughs) We'd be depressed if I stopped right there, but look at the last phrase. It will certainly come and will not delay. It's gonna come about. feels like it's kind of dragging. feels like it's sort of taking its time. But I thank God for vision that even when I feel like I'm stalling out, God's still doing something that his sovereignty is doing something that I'm not even aware of. And he's moving me to the next place. You know, we've got a lot of definitions for vision. I want to give you Pastor Ron's definition for vision. And you can write it down. I'll say it slow because I don't think it's on a slide. Here's vision. Vision is a mental picture of what could be Fueled by a passion of what should be. Let me say it one more time. Vision is a picture of what could be, fueled by the passion of what should be. We find ourselves looking at something and say, "Man, we we ought to have this. I I wish it was this way. Why why is it not this way? What what could be?" And then all of a sudden, the power of God rises up in you and starts motivating you with the passion and the zeal of God to see what what should be. Mark and Deborah here. A Couple of years ago, Mark and Deborah Mink caught a vision for creating a constitutional amendment that would go on our ballot, basically aimed at stopping abortion in Florida. But what it ultimately became or is becoming is a constitutional amendment that protects life from all ages. It's called the human life amendment. It protects the unborn, those that can't care for themselves and the elderly. And you know, the way it began was Mark and Deborah coming to a place of seeing what could be. There was was something that kind of rose up within them. This could happen. This could take place. And then all of a sudden, God started moving on Mark and Deborah's heart. And if I'm using your word correctly, and I actually think the word came from Philip, really. And there, it, it went from wanting to see something that could be to anguish. Is that the word? So, somebody say something, nod your head. It became anguish because it went from what could be to what should be. Fueled by a passion now for what, two or three years? It's dark. Three years? Four years? Now, for, come on. Let's talk about faithful for just a second. Anybody can be faithful for a day. Can you be faithful for a year? Can you be faithful for four years? And now, for four years, they have desired to see this thing come about. It started with something that could be, and the passion of God got in them and started fueling them for something that should be. And we are closer and closer and closer to seeing a constitutional amendment that has the ability to stop abortion in Florida. Come on, somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Started with what could be. I I can do this. I think I can do this. I wanna do this. And then it gets fueled by the passion of God that says, I should do this. I'm going to do this. And you know what else vision is and I'm done. Vision, write this down. Vision is a catalyst for wise decisions. See, when I'm driven by vision, I'm going to make good decisions. What does the Bible say about someone that has no vision? Without a vision, the people perish. A vision is a catalyst for making wise decisions. It leads me into things that I need to do that consistently line up with what God is calling me to do. It's a catalyst for doing things right. Let me go back to Nehemiah and I'm done. I promise. Nehemiah's on the wall, man, and he's, he's, he's building the wall. He's working hard. He's building the wall. And all of a sudden, two detractors come by in the form of Sanballat and Tobiah. And they came up to the wall. And Nehemiah is just working his brains out, being faithful to the kingdom of God, doing what he's supposed to do. And Sanballat and Tobiah come up to Nehemiah and say, hey, Nehemiah, why don't you come down here, man? Let's talk a little bit. You need to take a break. I've got a Diet Coke and a Twinkie for you. Why don't you come on down and let's rest for a little bit. Come on down. let's, Let's talk a little bit. And Nehemiah says something that has become my favorite verse in all the scripture. And you guys have heard me say it a million times. Nehemiah's, "I I can see this in my mind's eye. Come on now. I can see it in my mind's eye. They're down there saying, Nehemiah, come on down and let's have a talk. Take a little break from that vision you're trying to fulfill. And Nehemiah looks down and says, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down not going to be distracted. Why? Vision helps me to make wise decisions. I'm doing a great work, and I can't come down. And I'm thankful. Come on and stand with me. And I'm thankful that that work that is taking place is a God work that's going to be completed. Bow your heads with me. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you today for your awesome, awesome presence. I thank you for your love for us as the people of God. The Bible says it so clearly. We were once not a people, but now we are the people of God. No longer orphans, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father because you brought us in out of darkness into your marvelous light. So Father, we give you praise and we give you thanksgiving for the awesome work that you're doing in our lives. Band's gonna sing, we're gonna do one quick song and just go out of here just worshiping Jesus. So as the band plays, just enter in and let's give praise to God. Come on, put your hands together and give praise to Jesus.
1: Come on, sing. WANT ME
0: just a moment. You're here today and say, Pastor Ron, that wall of salvation that provides that protection around me. I'm not inside the wall. I'm outside the wall. I'm not in that safe place. I'm in that place where the darts and the fire and the bombs are going off and there's distractions and war. And I want to come into that safe place, that safe place of salvation. I want to come inside the wall. Well, you can do that today. It's called Accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because that's what Isaiah 60 calls it, the wall of salvation. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and you come inside that wall of protection and out of you begins to flow rivers of living water called praise. But it all begins with accepting Jesus as you come in to that safe place where that big wall protects and watches over you. And you say, Pastor Ron, I want to experience that thing called salvation that gift called salvation and come into that walled city that provides protection through salvation i want to accept jesus as my lord and my savior today maybe you've never done that before maybe you're here today and you say pastor ron i i I know what salvation is but i walked away from god i walked outside of that walled city i walked through that gate but it wasn't a gate of praise it was a gate of hurt or a gate of anger, or a gate of pain. And I wanna come back into that gate through the gate of accepting Jesus and that turns into a gate of praise. So I wanna come to that place of living within the walls of salvation by accepting Christ. Would you please pray for me right now? Would you put your hand up right where you are? Just right where you are, yes, 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 yes. Raise your hand right where you are. Just a second. Yes. 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 Thank you. very. You can put it down after I've seen it. Thank you so much. Anybody else? I want to come into that wall of salvation and accept Jesus as my Lord and be in that safe place. Yes. Yes. Love you, brother. I love you, man. I love you in Jesus' name. He's bringing health, healing, and salvation to you right now in Jesus' name. Yes. Here's the beauty of what we're talking about, guys. God makes it so simple. He says, Romans chapter 10 verse nine, declare with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again and you shall be within the walls of salvation in a safe place. So I'm gonna lead you. I'm gonna lead you. And as I lead this whole congregation, we're all gonna join together because as I said a minute ago, we need each other and we walk this out together. So we're all going to pray together. And if you raise your hands, I just want you to mean it from your heart and just ask Jesus to come into your life. Let's pray together right now. Father, I pray and I come to you asking you to forgive me of my sins. I desire right now, Lord, to walk back into that place of safety inside that walled city that Pastor Ron was talking about. It's called salvation. Salvation. And very simply, God, I'm saying save my soul, save my life, renew my spirit. Take those old things and wipe them away and let everything become new in me today in Jesus' name. Father, I accept your son as my savior and my Lord. And I declare he died and rose again so I could come into that safe place called salvation. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. 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 Come on, give Jesus a shout. Come on, give Jesus a shout. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.